0: Open up to Joshua chapter three,
1: and we're going straight through the book of Joshua. Last week, uh, Jim preached a, a sermon on Joshua chapter two, and
0: I titled it speaked, uh, uh, "Faith Like a Prostitute," and I imagine that's going to be very popular on iTunes uh, this week. So, uh, but if you haven't heard it, it's a great sermon, and you can get it off our website. Uh, but when reading the story of Rahab, this to review a little bit, uh, I have always found it uh, interesting that uh, Joshua sent that he sent spies into Jericho at all. Uh, if you read chapter one, it's uh, it, 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 uh, um, you find out that he'd already been told that all of his enemies would be defeated, that he would uh, be victorious, that no one would stand uh, in his way. Uh, you'll be successful as long as you follow, uh, God's commands into the left right. So you gotta ask yourself, what kind like of stuff I do with the trees, and why is five ball? seems like uh, a little unnecessary, but unneeded, but knowing Joshua, and knowing how committed Joshua is to doing exactly what God has called to do, as they seek after Job, I actually believe that God and Joshua sent in two spies. And it was the same thing for Moses, when the first century was the Moses like kids, and man and Moses would send two spies. It was just kind of a thing Joshua sent send three. And still I've got some questions, why? Why would he send spies in? God's clearly in a moral free strategy, really, um, is practice speaking, these guys who went in, um, they were at least like 20 and anyone over 21 had been killed or died in the wilderness. So anyone who was experienced fighting warfare wasn't alive. The so these guys sending in, like, they don't necessarily know if they're looking for. They never get in the battle. We don't know if they need to decide to get up. So it can't be a military strategy for them to go in there. They don't know what the punishment is because they tell them to go in a few all the make them a special church. Take a look at it. them. We've got one of these so I, I wondered, like, if God sends them in, not necessarily learn about one of the going or learn about the enemy, but to prove that he is already there. Um, now, in his sovereignty, you will, know, God somehow leads these three spies into the most fortified city in, uh, that area of the nations. He hides them out. In a brothel, in a brothel, and then only to uh, have the return with the positive report from one prostitute. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There's a huge difference between the two reports that are given one from 12 5, one from 3. The first time, the guys went in and they identified all the reasons they should have. All the reasons, you know a lot of them, that uh you know, make this thing go wrong the ways to go wrong, and all the problems the problems in the way. The second report though, these three guys basically see one reason great up, one reason that they should follow, one reason that they know it's going to work, and one reason why they should trust God And it's the difference I think between a report that's not a faithful representation. Faith. And I began to ask myself recently, and this is something I've always been ask, is that when, when God gives us we, we are no what we supposed to go in a particular way or walk in a certain direction, but we're directed into something that is foreign to us, that's difficult that as uncomfortable, that will require a change or a lot of changes. Do we I to more time, finding to stick to avoid it than the one reason that we do but I am kind of a critical guy. I tend for, for his to the The that Now, Joshua gives his report, and though most of the military leaders at uh, the world have probably lost these guys because they're going to be able to defend that. But instead, he doesn't ask a single question. He doesn't ask a single question about the story. All right, great. I just ask a single question. He simply says, "Okay, hey, we got it. I mean, it's the one faithful report, the one faithful cross to strength in faith. Like, what? You got one cross here outside? We got it all. I and mean, that's pretty much what he says. You know, that's the best. You know, like, oh, so he makes this full cool story, he doesn't stop at a conjecture called He, I think, like may have acts with courage, steps out in risk, steps out boldly, and begins to follow God. situation that has absolutely no more no possibility of success. Joshua chapter 3 is his response. Responses. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Shittim. And they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and they lodged there before the over. So, having heard the report the night before, Joshua wakes up, has a crappy dog, bags packed, fired up to get out of this city. He is excited, he wants to go. This guy's been waiting for this day for a long time, 40 years to be They've been living around this area since the beating of 15, Sidon is off, and, and this is the same city that Moses initially sent spies from, spied the land, and they sat around this city for years after the fall of the But crossing the land, actually going into the promised land, it's not something they've been waiting for for 30 years. It's something they've been waiting for for centuries. Going into the land, is the dead experience that Abraham was told would happen, hundreds of years play in the movie. They've been anticipating this for a long time. Joshua experienced a lot of the Exodus stuff, but they were told stories about Abraham growing up, and they could really tell a story about this is what God is going to give us possession of His promise. And they are fired up. He's can to some magic Joshua. He's just like, yeah, let's do this. I've been praying for this my whole life. And now we get this experience. And it reminds me very much of the wedding day of so many young people and some old who we'll take that day and it's just like awesome, right? Everything is perfect and wonderful. She looks good. He looks good. She can't say anything wrong. He was a disciple of the day with the do. Of he can't say anything wrong, though. He will probably forget a million things which the typical that we've my experience. But the reality is, that day, that awesome day, that culmination day, is probably the easiest day as you go into a marriage. But this is the day for them. It's exciting. It's just, they've been anticipating it. Little do they know that after this day, comes the hard work. It's easy to get married. Right? Anyone can do it. It's hard to have a marriage. It's hard to be committed. It's hard to be disciplined about This is where he's at on this wedding inside. And the, the, the scary thing is, if you think about this, God has yet to reveal the details of how it's all in your marriage. They have not as much of any other than yes, I mean, they they have a vision that's very clear. They know what they're going to do. They know what they're supposed to do. Um, the leaders and the people know where they're headed. They're going across the door. If you hold that, they have to do that and get over the land. So they're not going to do the there. They have to the cross. They know what's on the other side. They know Jericho is there, in particular his wife. If you put that map up? I think it was a map. Right, or they go across is opposite of Jericho. Okay, so they've been hanging out in Edom and Moab and actually right at the edge of Moab. There, you see a mountain called Pisgah. That's the mountain where Moses Mount went up and saw Jericho, and, and the city they're at right now was right at the base of that mountain. before they're going to travel across. And as soon as they get across, they're in enemy territory. They know that there's an enemy over there. They know that God has said, by the way. All these nations will fall before you. So they have a very clear vision of of what's supposed to happen. God has not said how it's going to happen. God has not told them how they're going to get thousands, maybe millions, but thousands of men, women, children, cattle, and just stuck across the Jordan. Okay? They haven't started building boats. They don't know. I haven't said that. He hasn't told them how they're going to defeat a fortress, and when you see Jericho, it's you kind know, of the few images that archaeologists think Jericho look like, you're like, holy oh, you Starfunder, how is that going to fall? It is impenetrable from our perspective. He hasn't told them how it's going to happen. And he hasn't told them how they're going to wipe out seven other military nations. He hasn't told any of that. He simply said, one thing for certain is, Follow me. Your responsibility is to do what I say and follow me. And I believe that everyone should have a vision for your life. You should have a vision for your family, a vision for your marriage, a vision for how you do relationships with others, a vision for your role as a member of the body, a vision for how you run your finances, a vision for, for how you parent, a vision for what you should do in the local community. You should have that. But this vision is not rooted in a lot of the visions that are offered. let just ask you a very simple question, guys, because you're easy to pick on. What is your vision of family? Where does it come from? Because we all get a picture of what it's supposed to be, and it's not always biblical. Your dad, your, uh, your culture, some uh, book tells you, oh, this is what a man is. Sometimes it's the rambo, I'm an animal, animal, brain bar kind of man. And then other times it's the artistic, heating, touching emotions kind of man. Me- what is it? And maybe it's a little bit of both, but the question is, are you starting with the Word of God? Is that what the vision is established, from? So you know, so place. I don't know how God can get there, but I know what a man is according to the Bible. I know what a woman is. I know what a family looks like. I know what a church is supposed to be. How that happens, I'm not exactly sure, but that's the way that I'm going to walk. It's a vision. of understanding marriage. I sit down with so many pre-married, in the midst of marriage, and almost both supposed to marry. And I sit down and ask them, well, what is a marriage supposed to look like? Well, they have ideas pretty much based off what they've been taught by, not what I've heard. The vision is completed. The, the prophets of God, the commands of God, and the Lord. of the so the question is, you know your head you know where that is? That I'm not talking about the beer. talking about And even if you don't know exactly how we get to you know the task that God is Now, Joshua, who is a great speaker, is the thing. And living out God's vision, though, is going to require an incredible change of attitude. And the boundary, I think, of the door represents a very significant transition to the border. And it's honestly a boundary that I could always say that it always post-crossed into us. Joseph was that Jesus the another thing said, I claim the name of Jesus. You have to really consider this boundary here because it's going to require a requirement shift. And with Israel, they have already been identified as a people of God. They have already been identified as the family of God. They're already the nation of Israel. And now they're going to make a decision to actually live out what that means, which is different. Now, their identity is not changing as much as it's actually coming to change. He's coming to a place where this is how you cross. Now this is the second time that Israel is crossed over a body of water. Two. The first one was the Red Sea, where Moses was brought to the Red Sea. The Egyptian armies were coming down, and they crossed, and the armies were destroyed. Israel was led across the Red Sea. And we all, everyone, has to have a Red Sea time of redemption. That is a picture of redemption, a time where Jesus saves you from certain death, the time where Jesus frees you from slavery to sin, which is what the Exodus all was. And you are adopted into a people, into a family. That's the Red Sea. That's not the Jordan. There's another crossing. That has to happen for the family of God, the people of God. And that crossing is where you walk over. And Jesus not only is your savior, who gives you new life, but he is the Lord who directs how you live that life every moment after. That's different. I, I see two different things. We go through and both, but some people stop on the face. I'm going to challenge you today and say, look, here's Jordan, cross over, cross over. Verse 2 says, before, at the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, with the law, then you shall set out from your place and follow. Yet. There shall be a distance between you and it are about two thousand cubits in length. In the Bible how we know that's about eight cubits in terms sort of what distances. Do not come near it, the heart, in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this day. Before. So at the end of three days, following the pattern that, that has been established in chapter one, we assume that God has given these instructions. He's given these instructions to Joshua, who teaches them verbatim to the commanders, who teach them verbatim to the people. Now, that sum is, so, is like several I honestly have a half of these baptisms. I pray that our leadership is committed to communicating God's words so that we can make a speech. So, what we do is exactly and give it directly to the people. She's giving it directly to the people. She's giving it directly to the, directly the, directly the, directly the children. But that's their good faith. That's so you know, I think that's the answer is not enough. Well, you can skip over the leaders, members, all this thing, go back and go, well, God says, the Bible is a test for all we do. God's Word is a test for everything we do. And if it gets to the telephone game, that's from the middle, they're changing it to the problem. So Joshua makes sure that we're saying the same thing and instructs them, and he says, Commander saying, Follow the article trust me the and prophet. follow the article comes Now, For years, if you read Exodus, all actually most tenantly, um starting in Exodus, we'll see that Israel after the prosperous were led by a pronunciation. So up to this point they've always been read, led by a colon fire. Now is the shift. Where the Ark of the Covenant is going to do that. It. And it's important to say that this is not this, this army of God, right? Very militaristic. The army is not going to be led by scouts and, and military guys. It's not going to be led by Joshua, General Joshua, astride a white horse saying, let's go truth. It's going to be led by priests and by God, God himself. Now, this is the first time that the Ark of the Covenant, at the book of Joshua, is mentioned, and it ends up being mentioned in the next chapter 17 times. That's the important. Okay? God's identity, God's presence, is the thing has been emphasized by the writer here. Now, the Ark, if you put the picture of the Ark up there, uh, you know, with all kinds of people, Christian So uh, instead of like, create Greater lost of thing. Um, make sure you look at the Bible because they actually gave you that. But it basically was this: it was a wooden block that was covered with gold, and it was designed by God to give very specific instructions on what to build, and when to build it, and how to build it. it. it we read that in Exodus: Moses got all those instructions on Sinai, and it was housed in what was called a portable temple. Okay, called the tabernacle. So the tabernacle and, and different sections of it, and in the Holy of Holies, the most holy spot, where we'll the Ark of the Covenants are held. And if you read the uh, last chapter of Exodus, you see once it's all built. the presence of God, the glory of God comes to reside on this place, this tabernacle is specifically amongst or, or localized around the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was where uh they made sacrifices and really the whole tabernacle was this, this beautiful picture of God's presence locally within the center of Israel. And the Ark of the Covenant was the most holiest possession that Israel had. And inside uh, the covenant of the Ark was uh, three things it was Aaron, which was most brother, his brothers, high priest God, and, and budded, who had a jar of banner, and you um, had the chief poppies, which had been so that's all in there. And among many things, this ark, this phrase of role in Joshua in particular, symbolizes the promise of God. It's called the covenant, the ark of the covenant, of the Lord, of the God, and all these things that is symbolized the, like the covenant, the promise of God, what He's promised, so, uh, I am your God, you are my people, I promise to. Preservedly, protectedly, made the possession of the gospel. All these with It represented the law of God. The word of God. Uh, and then it represented the presence of God. Even so much that God would speak to Moses. Over the mercy seat. On top of it. As a friend to a friend. And it represented really God himself. So God himself is, is what speak in God's word God's with all those things that God represents. And so... If the commanders instruct Israel to follow at about, it's about a half a mile. Thousand-ish yards, a schools, let it go ahead and you. Follow. and not to fight Now, through, I think, this really simple instruction, that God's trying to remind Israel like, how little things have change it's how we do things, I'm changing. Same thing that when God's Lord came and in Mount Sinai, the going to be to And to make it, I guess, simple, God is saying but. I was convicted of, we gather, it's really the, of the same way as convicted of same way as convicted of the same way I the same of as the same way praise, the the as the the praise way as the that machine. And we thank God for giving this, for do this, you're speaking to the Creator of you. For whatever reason, decides that this is So God is declaring, "Look, I am the Almighty. I am the Creator. I am the Take your shoes off. You are on holy ground. Shield your eyes. Get on your face, Don't touch me, or you're going to die." God, there's reverence there, and we need to be. Aware of single so The ark is this really paradoxical symbol. It's this thing that says, look, I am beautiful, I am present, I'm there, yet I am altogether different, only fierce Of course, we'll never forget what the ark is. So but he does say all a distance so you know the way to go, you have to change the chord. I've been thinking about how to follow God in the distance. Maybe we do, a little bit. As it says here, this is a good context. I mean, if we don't follow God, think about this. If we don't follow God in the distance, I think my approach, my views, is that we can treat God as if he's, um, accountable to the truth because we need and that's pretty much to affirm what we all do, what we do as opposed to the God who is directing and governing what we do before we do it. Now, it's impossible. Think about this. It's, it's just walking and following somebody. It's impossible to follow God without some distance. But we, we tend to try. And I think some of us walk beside God and feel good about that. But I actually think that is uh, wrong. Although sounds it's kind of like the, it's my co-pilot kind of mentality, which again, that's a clever little like thing. But I understand the intention and the of but I've trained myself differently. Jesus is my co-pilot. Is is kind of assuming like Jesus is my assistant, right? Like, like he's the guy that just kind of like helps me because I'm the one who only steers the ship. Um, that person, that kind of person, which I think. Most of my life, I really was honestly that kind of person may even turn to scripture sometimes and and pray occasionally and uh, seek God's counsel for advice. But when the advice in the scripture or the prayer actually contradicts what they already feel they want to go, they'll ignore it. And even though the profile is going, You're gonna fly into a friggin' mountain, you gotta go, Yeah, because I'm a pilot. Bingo. you never got your full weight. Right? That kind of mentality. Now, if you walk beside God, you can fool everyone, I think, in even to believing that God is flying the plane, but you're really not. And you're not really following God if you walk beside him A lot of us walk in front of God. Maybe that goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway. Um, maybe it's to you the one. No, know, we shouldn't walk in front of God. But I think this is actually where most of us are if we're honest, which we cannot be. Now the truth is, walking in front of God isn't faith law. Okay? It isn't faith at all. Now, this kind of person I think, and I again I include myself in this, I'm not just declaring like this whole thing learned. I've lived this way, I've done this, probably more often than not, and this kind of person makes decisions without God. Because without saying it, you actually believe you're smarter than you. him. Challenge on that, you know, of course I'm not God. But that's not how you actually live. You don't appeal to God's wisdom, you appeal to your own. And when considering difficult decisions, think about it, like word, when you are considering something difficult, how should parent, Buddha should marry, you know, job decisions, financial decisions, whatever it is, do you make throwing cons list first, or you tend to appeal to God's word and prayer first. I'm a prone on, criticized, strategized, pragmatic, fix these things kind of tendency, which shows you that I often lead with my intellect and not depend upon God for kids. That's walking in front of God. Every now and then I'm like, Ooh, I'll just keep going. That's what it looks like. They don't pray about decisions. You seek counsel from be friends, but not brothers? difference. You seek counsel from be a friend if you return everything that you actually already think that we're on your team. As opposed to a brother like you, you it. So that's not how you they're not teachable, I don't think. They're not be to 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 me to 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 the no to the to 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 Well, That might be very Yeah. That's what God here is a better idea than God. We're supposed to walk behind God and there are good reasons really, that really a distance because we need to be far enough back so we can actually see and others who we are pastoring and our families or our friends or our neighbors can actually see where God is leading before you start taking steps. And that means, here's the hard part, that means actually positioning God and His Word in a prominent place in your life so that it actually can govern and direct where you are going. And I'm not ta- I'm talking about setting the directions before you start walking rooted in God's Word as opposed to reacting when God won't tell you you're off track. That's how we often do. I'll start walking and go, oh, well, I'm off track. Well, I'm talking about before you even get to that place. Walking beside or in front of God makes it actually difficult to even see what God is doing. It's not possible. You think about this, Dave. Well, how do I know if walking? How do I know? Well, let me just ask you this. And this is the question. That I'm For you, do I ask what God would have me do, what God has already said before you make decisions about it? very simple. How have you decided about parenting, relationships, finances, sex life, all these things? How have you decided? Is your first thought when someone comes to you to help them make a pro and con list or to say, I want to know what God's words is, if God's words let's pray about it. I don't know exactly Let's pray." about it. First, can you make your pro and con list? Nothing wrong with pro and con list unless that's the first place and only place to start and stop it. How do you make marital decisions? How do you make financial decisions? How do you make decisions? How do you evolve coverage? All these things are the involved. Verse 5. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel. That you may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests to bear the Ark of the Covenant to come to the still in the water to be sure to stand still in the garden. Now, after these instructions it, about the, the distance, he brings them to the shores of the Jordan and he addresses all the people and these are part of the final instructions before God's present goes before them right before the rivers miraculously divided right before uh, they cross tells the people to consecrate themselves now we should think about that for a second that seems odd at least from a military or an army we're going into battle type of perspective and I think it's remind them that the battle they are being prepared or equipped for an event they are actually being prepared and equipped to experience, to worship God, to worship in the presence of God. That's what it is. Don't mistake it. Now, from, from an earthly perspective, we would expect General Joshua to say, alright guys, last words, sharpen the spears, sharpen the swords, You know, get the, the cows ready to charge, whatever they're going to do with their little army there, get ready. But that's not what he says. Instead, he makes sure that they're Already spiritually, improved. It is a reminder that we all need, that I need to be this It is the most important to be successful, and most important for the me new world, leading church, leading ministry, leading marriage, leading the friendly study, leading the favorable, leading we're raising a family, all these things, the most important thing is not strategy. It's not pragmatism. Purity. Purity always comes before spring. Always before spring. You cannot be strong. You cannot fight. You will be defeated if you do not commit yourself to purity. And purity is not perfection. No one's saying be morally perfect. What I'm saying is you commit yourself to pursuing godliness. Setting your life apart for God in all areas of your life. I'm not going to say like, man, if you commit yourself to purity in your finances, you will be super rich. That's not what I mean. But I guarantee you you will be content with where God has you. And if you do not, if you have purely pursued finances or purely pursued things, you will never be content. And you will not defeat the idols that have been set before you. You will be overcome by it. Purity before strength. And I love that he tells Joshua that this isn't about to be Joshua. Was. What he tells him very interestingly, he says, you am going to cross over It's not just going in that but it's not about you. Never forget that. Your success as a husband, mother, wife, individual, businessman, it is never about you. You are exalted and blessed for the glory of God. And he tells Joshua right here, man, you are going to be exalted. You're going to be a guy that's here. And it's all to prove that I am here has nothing to do with you. You're a tool. A tool. Why? Because this is God's story. Now, verse 9 says, and Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, here's how you shall them That the living God is that you will, without fail, drive out from the point in a, in a of Canaanites, Hittites, Gibbites, and Paradites, Nebuchadnezzar, and Amites. Behold, the, the are the covenant, of the Lord, from all the earth, as we believe. Now, now. And twelve men from the tribe of Israel from each tribe of man, and the souls of the feet of the priest bearing of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. Shall rest of the water in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, but slowly the waters coming down us. He gathers the people around, final words, God's final words, and the answer is says, what I think is probably a question that every one of the people how, this how, it how do we know this is how do don't really know if How don't really know to do. is the Like so basically they oh, oh, oh. oh, see like, I And then, like, mid sentence, like, look, behold, look, there goes the There it goes. guys. Go but I think what Joshua, what like, I think God is trying to tell us is that. Always moves first. Always goes first the Lord. Jesus came. He moved first. He lived. He died. He rose again. He now empowers and he leads. He does everything first. God always moves first. But then move. It's the part you to get. We move. It's our move. And let me just give you some warning. If you don't cross the river, the Jordan, you'll never experience the exhilaration of the fight. If you don't follow General Jesus into the battlefield, you will never be or feel victorious. Joshua says, you will know he's there if you see him driving out idols in your life. You will see it. You'll be there right behind him, following him. You're not doing it. He is. But you're following him. You're walking. You're moving. And it's always going to begin with the first step into what looks like the water. Reminds me of what happened when Moses was told to cross the Red Sea, okay? Imagine this picture. Huge Red Sea, miles across. Back behind them, they're in a, they're in a, a place where they can't really get out of. So it's either death by water or death by Egyptian army coming down. And God says, start walking. Same as you're going Jordan, because God always told us to walk, or the waters to the water, the water, the part. They haven't parted yet. He says, Start moving. The priests, and they're like, hey, Are you serious? But they've got to step. They've got to take the first step. They're right there with the presence of God, but they have to take a step. Let me just ask you something. It's your faith. This is fruitless. Some of Coming find it. Out. a the same. Okay. This is That's where we're at. Let me just challenge you a little bit that maybe, just maybe, I'm going to do a little more than sitting on a ship. Maybe God's spirit Just happening. No matter where God is this way, it's not only Already gone before us. He is already there waiting for us and empowering us with these triggering Verse 14, goes with Baby out. says, so when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan, priests bearing the ark the covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water, oh, is that's, oh. that's important. What is that? The waters coming down from above stood and rose in the heap very far away at Adam, the city that's beside Serephan, and those flowing down from the sea of Arba, the salt sea will completely cut off. Boom off to the peak, no more water. The crossing is, is going to conclude our story here in, in, in my sermon. It's carried by the rabbinical priests, which is the law. They are the only ones that carry it. The Ark of the Covenant, be from the Jordan, the source of feet with the water, its divides. And at this time, you need to understand the Jordan River is in some little stream. It is in the middle of harvest. It is as big as ever, overflowing its banks probably about a mile wide and it is most likely flowing like a raging river. So they're just skipping across this thing. It is a big raging river and the writer seems in verse 15 to make a certain point here by saying this. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to say this. But it seems like he's trying to say this is an insane time to cross. This is the worst time of year, from an earthly perspective, to cross. The river is full, it's overflowing, it's banks, it's wide. Why this time? And I believe that if the leaders were left with their own wisdom and their own ways, if God had said, you know what, I want you guys to cross sometime soon. You decide. They would not have crossed for a long time, and they certainly would have crossed at this point. And I've learned, as we're all supposed to learn, and I've learned the hard way and painful way of trying to cross in a place and a time when it wasn't right, I've learned that faithfully following God is never, ever ideal from our perspective. It's never ideal. For life. It's never convenient. It's never the right time. It's never going to be pain-free and comfortable. It's never fully understandable for us. But that is exactly when and where God wanted them to cross. He could have done it. It wasn't just well, oh, forty years. Dang, happened at it the whole seasonal time. That's exactly when God wanted them to cross for us to learn. And it doesn't mean that. We need to wait for all the rivers to be as big as they can, and then, no, it means when God says, go, you go. When God starts moving, he says, now, he means, now. Well, you know what? Because God's plan is perfect. He's God's plan is never, ever going to be ideal for you. But so it will always be to maximize his glory. Always. Because it's about his glory. It's about his glory. But whether you are prosperous or impoverished, successful or defeated, it is always for his glory. The people passed over opposite Jericho, verse 16. The priest bearing Ark of the Covenant on the dry ground. Just to hear all people in All the All so we'll fall the, ground, so we'll to it. So can the of God. In the courts, they will be for the so past the crossing of the Red Sea, is a little different to the crossing of the world as they share one part of their dreams. It is toward all the challenges of the world. shame of the world. There is a transnational shape. Both of these crossings have a dramatic change. unlike the Red Sea, this is not a new birth. But a shift, I think, chained a shift from this community voice scout to a soldier who understands what they're going through. We all need to have a Red Sea crossing, redemption of time where Jesus saves us from death, frees us from sin, adopts us into his family, and we are his. But then we need to cross one more body of water. Still gotta have a Jordan crossing. And it means you are going to have to move. And this is where Jesus isn't just Savior. Isn't just I prayed this prayer when I was seven, and again when I was nine, and again when I was twelve, and I haven't really lived for Him yet. It is where Jesus becomes our Savior, who gives me life, becomes Lord, he says that's my life, and He governs and He, he, he directs, in every aspect of my life. Is that how you care the relationship with the Lord and the Savior Or is it just the thing, the person, the machine, the, the religion that you appeal to every thousand years Or is the relationship so immersed that God is there always, God is directed always, God is positioned in a place giving you guidance always. The Jordan there's a line lion's all Say, I not a of rules because G the that's why don't it's time to cross so, slowly, eventually, seven the later, go back to the the Just as our self centered the time, you, you know, self-ported by vision. It's not the scripture. The success in the life is, what the identity of like this it. It's the God. It's not asking to do anything he himself simply saying, so he's not a man. And the alternative is to, I am the Lord, and I have everything I can do. To become a Christian know that Christians all declare, you are a Christian. And if you're not a Christian, here's what we declare when we take like, the bread, Declare that we don't know our way. We declare that every day. We declare that to begin with. We still are trying to figure out our way, but we know one thing: that we are sinners, that we are broken, that I can't always trust my emotions and my intellect, and that Jesus died in my place, not as a good example of good
1: in my place as my substitute for my sin. And I've been raised a new life, and that life is supposed to move. That's the other
0: declaration. You can't participate in the sacrifice if you are actually moving within continually. So consider it not only a confession of your identity or a declaration of fresh. Father God, I pray. Thank you for all that you have done for us, to save us, to redeem us, to free us from sin, to save us from death, to give us an identity and adopt it as sons and daughters of you your son. And I pray for anyone, Father, who has not accepted you as their savior, that they will see their life as not lack, not having true meaning and purpose and joy because they are not living to worship you. And for those, Father, who have claimed the name of Jesus for so long, I pray that you will convict us for any conviction, and you will show us where we need to cross over, and live for you, Lord, as more than just Savior, but truly Lord, governing the reckoning. And if that requires a confession to begin, Father, I pray that will occur. Clean us, cleanse us, lead us, Direct us, every moment we have to your glory, not our countenance, your pain, not our countenance. Let it be <coughs> To the Choir
1: Master! A Psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he'd gone into Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, my sin is ever before thee. Against you, you only, have I sinned And gladness, let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. A broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Do good design and your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices. In burnt offerings. And all burnt offerings. And then bowls will be offered on your altar.